Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Today on the show, we have Mr. Kenny Wolf. He's the founder of Wolf Investments. Friend of mine, really great guy, stellar operator. They own thousands of units of apartment complexes in Texas, Ohio, and some other places. And he's really built uh, an empire uh, in multifamily development. They do some other investments that we get into, but a uh, very dynamic guy. Kenny's always uh, flying around the country, speaking, buying new deals, groundbreaking here, this and that. Very inspirational story, very smart guy and very motivating to, to listen to Kenny. So I think you guys are going to enjoy his second time on the DJE podcast. Before we dive in, if you'd like to be on the investor list for DJE projects in the future, you can go to our website, djetexas.com, and either request access or set up a quick call with our team. We can send you case studies, learn a little bit about uh, our firm, et cetera. And then if you're looking to further your development as an operator, an owner, and a purchaser of these types of projects that you're going to run, We've put some great content together for you at apartmenteducators.com. You can go check out if you're an aspiring operator or looking to push the fast forward button on your uh, skills there as an apartment owner operator. Okay, let's jump into the episode here with Mr. Kenny Wolf. Kenny Wolf, welcome. We're glad to have you today. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for, for jumping on. So um, want to get into your story you know, where, where you came from, how you got into multifamily and, and, you know, eventually today owning thousands of units, multiple states, the management company, the whole thing. And we'll dive into that stuff. But for those that haven't read your book or that aren't already, you know, investing with you guys or whatever the case is not familiar with you, um, where are you from and how'd you get into this real estate world? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, we're based out of Plano, Texas, just North of Dallas. Um, so I got into multifamily family, uh, via oil and gas. Um, okay. So um, started out uh, in the accounting world of oil and gas and then um, quickly moved up the ranks in that, that company. Um, they spun a proper, our company off in Shreveport, yeah. Louisiana, was CFO at age 28. Um, and then that company was winding down. Our sole client was Chesapeake Energy. Uh, so for those that are in oil and gas or know of Chesapeake, they had money issues the first time. So I had to figure out what else, what we were going to do with her, you know, uh, what, what we were going to do, stay in oil and gas or move to something different. Sure. Um, and really just um, was a great way to kind of reset. Okay, what do we want to do? What, sure. So it was a great, um, so we actually used to use that time to figure out, okay, what, what industry do we want to be in? So it was... And you had a blank slate at this time, right? You're, you're really like, this is a, start, a starting over period. Exactly. So yeah. 28, get hit that reset button, figure yeah. out what we want to do with our life. And so... Anyways, with oil and gas, it's either feast or famine, so I wanted to find something different. Sure. Um, called, up a, um, called up a family friend. She's a trust fund kid, so, you yeah. know, I'm big on modeling. Uh, yes. So I asked her, what do you do? You know, I want to be well, like you when I grow up. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, she goes, well, I invest in multifamily properties. And I was, honestly, at that time, I was like, I thought just East Coast hedge funds bought apartment buildings. I didn't even know sure. about that. So um, she got me dialed into a, to a local um, real estate investment club uh, there in Dallas, um, it's a two-day event. So the first day, they talk about single-family rentals. Um, my wife and I had both attended. I think it's important for um, your significant other to be a part of this big decision. So yeah. she was there. Um, and uh, the first day, they talk about single-family rentals. And we were pumped that night. We were going to buy 10 houses in Dallas and all the you know, big plans. Yeah. And then the next day, they talk about multifamily. Right. Um, and really, um, 
then we totally scrapped single family. Forget single family. We're just jumping right into multifamily. I love it. And we had the money to do it um, sure. and the you know business experience to do it as well. So we could jump right into that. So jumped right in, um, did two passive investments to learn the ropes. Um, um, so really sought out a value play. So you're a big fixer upper. Um, and then a yield play to kind of see both business models. Uh, learn, you know, figure out who should be on the team. Um, all these things. Because I was coming from oil and gas accounting. I knew nothing about operating a a, uh, a property. Sure. But you had, the, as a first step, you had an opportunity to be a limited partner, right. invest $50,000 or whatever as a passive investor, and not have to do any of the work, but you still get to see the P&L. Right. You still get to see the business plan. How did that uh, stack up versus your expectations of what you thought that would be as a, as a passive investor? Um yeah, I mean, so as a passive, I was, I was kind of an active passive, I guess. Sure. I made sure to be on every phone call. I asked a lot of questions. Because you wanted to do this, right? And But you just, you wanted to be an active operator, but you start, intentionally started passive to learn the ropes. Yeah, because I mean, I knew nothing about how to run these things. So I um, asked a lot of questions um, and learned a lot along the way. You know, some passives are just going to be passive. They're just going to, where's my check? And they don't read a lot of the statement, which is fine if that's what they want to do. But sure. um, as someone who wanted to be a syndicator or a sponsor, um, that was a great way for me to use that time to educate myself on the team and, um, you know, how, how, do, how do you operate these big, big, big assets? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And what, um, how long were you in that kind of phase of your journey before you said, all right, I've got a handle on this. Let's go make an offer on a deal. Um, about 18 months, okay. all parking it, but about 18 Good. months. Um, Good. the first one we did was a big fixture upper. So that was also the rehab. So, I mean, I learned a lot about how to rehab these properties. Sure. Um, and then the second one, kind of a keynote is that it was a Fannie Mae loan, uh, which is a big deal, uh, because that gets you your Fannie Mae card. Uh, so the first syndication deal was 76 units that we, that I did. Yep. Um, and I was able to get Fannie Mae loan by myself on that. On that transaction because of what you've done on the on the limited partner side as a passive investor so explain that to folks that haven't heard that before maybe getting in this country club with with fannie mae right what, what does that look like right i mean so it's so there's, there's I've, I've actually been asked there's no physical card you get uh, <laughs> um, um, it's just a way to kind of get your experience with fannie or freddie these agency lenders sure. um, and once you do that even as a passive they they tend to count that as your experience Right. Um, and what that allows you to go is go out to get the best financing out there that's possible for any kind of real estate. Right, right. And it's really interesting in multifamily. I mean, there's basically, you know, the government is rooting for guys like you and, and guys like me to go provide housing. Yeah, and, and And really kind of uh, providing some of this financing, these financing tools that are, I don't see them in other industries no absolutely yeah now this is the best lending you can get on the face of the planet (laughs) that's right that's right so if fanny and freddie are willing to come in and write a check for 75 percent of the capital stack with these amazing terms non-recourse too i mean we talk about that a lot but that's huge huge. right i mean i I, i've been able to basically build my whole portfolio as non-recourse it's amazing right Uh, and, and so anyway, huge, huge advantage to that. So you, you had the, uh, on ramp as a limited partner, passive investor. I, th- I think that's an awesome first step. You get to do it. Then you go out and, and, uh, manage your own deal. Um, what were you guys thinking at that? It's funny. You mentioned the 10 single houses, single, single family houses. I had the same kind of vision when I started. It seems like everybody gravitates towards if I could just do 10 single families, pay them off. I'm retired, which is true. You know, you could do that. Um, 
it's kind of funny that that like everybody gravitates towards that. But as you're going through passive investor, then getting your first deal, what was what was your um, you know what was your target? Did you want to get to a certain amount of doors? Did you just want to see how it unfolded? Right. So the first syndicated deal we want to do, um, we want to make sure that we um, had full time on site management. Right. Uh, so that there's a threshold to do that. Sure. Um, I ballpark at about sixty units here in Texas. Right. Probably more than that, really, but sixty is right on that line. Right. Um, so we went off. So that was a big, you know, box that we wanted to be checked on this new syndication. Sure. Uh, because um, uh, my wife and I actually right out of college bought a tanning salon. Okay. Um, with the idea of growing that, so we. Um, Are those a franchise deal? Or? No. So this is a whole like I don't know. I call it my wife's MBA because I already wow. had one and it cost us as much. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> but the big lesson we learned there was that you know go big or go home. So right. we had this idea of buying this thing, um, you know, and then eventually getting a manager to run it for us. Well, it wasn't big enough to do this. So right. we kind of took that lesson: go big or go home. To multifamily, where look, I mean, you know, I don't want to be on site you know, every day. I, I can't change out a toilet. I don't know how to do that. So, sure. um, so that was our focus is to get to that, that point. So we didn't have the equity ourselves to do that. So what that means is that we had, we had to go raise the money. So that was, you kind of work backwards from where you want to start out. So, um, so that was a big, big box that we had to have. That was a must have. And then obviously you have these things where we prefer pitched roofs and developed HVACs, all these other things as well. But, right. um, the onsite, the professional onsite management was a big, big thing for us. The, yeah, there's no doubt a property management company handles so much and, and that's the real work too, right? I mean, the managing tenants, the, the maintenance guys, I mean, those guys work their tail off, right? We're super, super grateful, but you can't come in as the operator and no, I mean, you, you, you're, you're as a sponsor, you're syndicated, your job and for your investors is to manage the assets you already have and go find out and go find more investments for them to invest in yeah. as well. So, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's my job. So if you're bogged down in the day to day on a 30 unit deal, you can't do that. Right. Um, inefficient very inefficient. And so I, so that first purchase um, was actually a portfolio deal. So I bought the 76 unit piece to it. Okay. There's another guy that bought the 32 unit, um, deal right there. The funny thing is, is that the seller of that deal did not want to sell me mine until he made sure that 32 unit was sold. So, ah. so that tells you he did not want to be stuck with a 32 unit deal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then also too, um, the, so over this 10 year run, you know, we've done about 6,800 units um, today. Um, and then that guy's probably done 600 because, because yeah. he's bogged down in day to day stuff. So you can't build your portfolio if you, if you do that. It's a tough, it's a tough thing. I talk to people about a lot. It's, it's, uh, it's scary to try and go big and wrap your head around that and raise millions of dollars and you shouldn't just go out and do it right. right? You need a team and a, a mentor and, and education, the whole thing. But once you do get into that larger stuff, a lot of it becomes easier. Yeah. I mean, our second deal was hundred, 133 units, yeah. you know, I've been, that was a big rehab fixer upper deal. So, yep. um, it really was a launching board for us, uh, to start at that level where you can do the professional management. Right. Because still to this day, I don't know how to evict anybody. Uh, sure. We have great people that do that, and I don't know how to, like I said. Yeah, what toilets. forms do you need? <laughs> when does it right. need to be filed? Yeah. All that stuff. All the little logistics um, are yep. great. On-site people do that. So. Love it. Yeah, yeah. And that lets you stay focused. And the proof's in the pudding, right? You guys have scaled up. You've done, like you said, 6,800 doors to date, um, Texas and beyond. What? Uh, let's just fast forward, and then we'll kind of dive into some of the details. What does the current portfolio look like today in mid twenty twenty as we're talking, or mid twenty twenty one as we're talking? Sure. So yeah, in all time record sixty eight hundred units that we've done. Uh, we're down to about forty two hundred units right now of current um, yeah. assets under management. Um, 
this this year we've bought already 70 million worth of acquisitions Excellent. and then uh, we've got another 70 million under contract or going to contract um, right. by the end of the year so it'll be a big big year for us on the acquisition side Excellent. Um, and we're really focused on Texas and Ohio acquiring more units there right now right uh, that's been the focus for a couple of years but those those are the states we're having some good success in right now right just doubling down on that right. do you guys set targets for the year we want to hey we want to acquire this much and make sure we have the team in place for it and, and hope for the best or how do you guys how do you guys look at that on an annual basis right so we've got um for those other business owners traction is a really good book to Love use it. um yeah the eos system so anyways um we did, i found that a couple of years ago but so by 2029, our, our, uh, the goal is to um, have a $1 billion of assets under management. Excellent. Um, so really, you kind of work backwards, right? How many... Um, Reverse engineer. Yeah. Right. So how, many, how much um, acquisitions and, and obviously growth of the current portfolio on valuation as well. Right. So take those into account. But right now, we're well ahead of that, that number. Um, you've got a lot of office to multifamily conversions that are going to speed those speed that um, that our current um, holdings way up the next year or two once those right. jobs get completed. Right. So I'll have to reset that number. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, I love, I love that big target out there. And that um, let's talk about the office conversions. You guys are buying um, distressed office buildings and in, in some of these markets you're already in, converting them exclusively to multifamily. How, how, how did that come about? Um, so we kind of fell into it. Um, which is kind of a funny thing to say. We fell into the Rockefeller building in Cleveland, uh, which is the historic uh, historic office building the Rockefellers built in 1905. Um, it's still office today. Um, so about a year and a half ago, we were driving back from the airport in Cleveland, a buddy of mine up there, and uh, we passed an old warehouse. And I've always wanted to convert one of these older buildings, repurpose sure. them into a multifamily property. Sure. I went to Baylor. They did that when I was on campus. There, a group did. To an, it was an old uh, warehouse, and they converted to amazing um, you know, lofts and all that stuff. Right. which I could not afford, but a buddy of mine could, and it was really cool. His place is cool. Um, so I was jealous. So you had that in your mind since college, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So anyways, we're driving back. and past the old warehouse in Cleveland, and uh, I told him, man, I'd love to do this, uh, do that. And he said, I'll find something. So And he's, he, he lives up there. Uh, so he started digging, and then about a month later, he gives me a call and says, hey, we've got, um, I've got this deal called the Rockefeller. you, you got to fly up here and come check it out. And honestly, I didn't even like look it up on my phone where it was. It was like Rockefeller, I'm there, you know. So right. uh, fly in. Um, we're driving down Prospect, and you can see it, the building there, um, 17 stories tall. It's got big white letters with Rockefeller on it. And I'm like hanging out the window taking photos and stuff. Ah, so. Right. so anyway, so uh, but we had found a, um, a, a local GC that's worked this property a few times trying to figure out how to repurpose it. So they'd already seen the property for years. Yeah. They knew it and they'd probably run bids on it. Absolutely. So we yeah. had drawing six different ways of hotel, keeping an office, multifamily, a sure. whole bunch of different options. But um, So they kind of ran us through that. Um, today, where it is, um, it's going to be a little bit mixed use, but mostly multifamily. Right. Uh, so four through 16 are going to be A-class multifamily. Um, two That's and three. floors, four through 16? Right, yeah. Okay. Um, on the 17th floor, um, it's really cool. Is there's 44 walk-in safes that, that were the Rockefeller families. Oh my god! So that's going to be storage because it's only eight and a half foot ceiling um, sure. for everybody. But um, yeah, four through 16 will be uh, a class multifamily. A lot of a lot of efficiencies in one bedrooms. So that's the need in downtown Cleveland now. Sure. Um, and then two and three will be will keep office and the bottom floor uh, retail restaurant. And then some of the there's some cool marble staircases that go down to a vault room. So right. that'll be part of the, hopefully a speakeasy restaurant kind of thing. Right. 
Yeah, totally unique. Uh, that's fantastic. And yeah, the need downtown is not so much about space. It's about affordability and location. Absolutely. Right? I mean, so, all these Verbine are like 97 walk scores. Um, right. You know, because we have, we have that property. We, we're, we bought another one in downtown Atlanta um, as well. We have a second one coming there. Um, another one in Cleveland. So we're looking at these downtown settings. Hopefully Dallas, Fort Worth, places like that where we can bring in, repurpose these office buildings. Right. Which before COVID we had too much of anyways. Like the average vacancy in an office in every major market was about thirty percent. That's incredible. Thirty percent vacancy. Thirty percent vacancy before COVID. And now I'm one of those that think office will come back um, right. because if you if you're not in the office, you're missing that creative create, creative spark. Sure. Um, definitely, IT probably can be you know all virtual. Else, yeah. uh, but anyways, I see a lot of folks coming back. But at the same time, we will lose some you know need for office. And it was already bad. Before COVID. Yeah, exactly. So right. this is a way to kind of repurpose these buildings. Um, you know, our rents are going to be two two eighty five, three bucks wow. a square foot. Wow. Um, and we're buying them for probably 40 to 60 bucks a square foot. Right. Um, with a lot of, obviously, rehab in there too, but on top. But at the end of the day, we'll have these amazing assets, great locations, um, um, and great views of like Erie and downtown and, and Atlanta, you know, right. Good locations. Irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't, you can't, you can't put that. How's the, the appetite been from the debt lending side for these types of projects? Obviously a little different than your 1985 garden style, you know, kind of bread and butter multifamily deal. So we saw, um, we also did some ground up construction. So, uh, we saw during COVID in 2020, basically construction loans dried up. Right. I mean, you could not get one. Um, so actually for Rockefeller, we ended up having to do an acquisition loan. And now we're going to the $70 million construction loan. Um, so, uh, but we are seeing now seeing now construction lending is coming back in a big way. Sure. Um, and we're getting great terms. I mean, 75%, you know, kind of your normal, your typical before COVID terms. Sure. Um, but they're all back, which is good to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then you're just bringing in a GC that's done played this the game before and can just come in and absolutely and you've got to team up you know like in anything you got to bring it bring in the right team for that project yep. um so we're, we're working with rockefeller with um, with guys corporation they're a third generation developer there in cleveland they know right. everybody on the in the city um, not a guy in a truck. no yeah absolutely <laughs> and they just finished up dan gilbert's multifamily conversion in cleveland dan gilbert's the owner of the Cavs and probably rocket mortgage is what he's mostly known for sure, sure. Uh, but they just if they if, if they can do dan's they can do mine 100 percent. yeah good company to be in right. good company to be in that's fantastic so that's a project that you're able to launch to your investors right and say hey we've done all these other types of projects this is a uh some growth but it's not entirely outside the box either right exactly it's just a big rehab project right. um and then I, rockefeller and then some of our other projects are opportunity zone as well so it's so that's a way to really kind of capitalize on both the construction the you know the big appreciation that we'll get right. while at the same time they're on opportunity zone um areas which will be great as a tax tool for some folks sure sure yeah amazing tax shelter there on those that's fantastic well um let's talk a little bit about how you've grown your investor base and kind of the investor experience with wolf investments because um that's how we go bigger faster right, right. i mean if you had to write the check on all these deals uh and a lot of people kind of have that mindset you know they're going to buy three single family rentals that's all their money and that will actually be a good investment over time, right. but it's not going to get you to 7,000 doors or a billion in assets, right? No, and I mean, I kind of like in single family, they're great net worth builders, sure. but not great cash flow. Right. Um, you have to change out a roof, your cash is gone for maybe a year or a year and a half. Um, so you've got to keep that in mind. Um, 
they're not bad investments. They're, like I said, great net worth builders. Or for folks that want to get into multifamily, you know, to get in there, you may have to flip your way to 50K, you know? Um, So absolutely. So everybody's got to start somewhere. Right. Um, So what we focused on, um, we found a lot of, you know, our investors come through in-person events. So I speak a lot, a lot of events, just like your great event here in San Antonio. Um, I'm speaking in Columbus, uh, Ohio next month. Uh, so a lot of speaking engagements like that. We hope big host uh, a big uh, multifamily event three times a year and MFIN. Right. Um, we just got back from one in Miami. Had 350 people attend. Yeah, I heard Miami was really good. I didn't. I didn't. Couldn't make that scheduling conflict, but a lot of my team went and they were. Yeah. They loved it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, especially coming out of the last year and a half COVID and everything. Oh, yeah. And like one more Zoom call, you're gonna, you know, right. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna go. Meltdown, but uh, but a live event in Miami, 350 people. I heard that was awesome. Right, yeah. So that's good. So we do those also. And then really because of COVID, kicked off a YouTube channel that we've got um, as well. Um, because of the lack of in-person events and how many, that's a lot of our, where we get our new investors that way. Um, so really just went out and bought a 4K camera from uh, you know Best Buy and started recording. And so we do a monthly or do a weekly uh, video output on that. Um, and then we started doing these cool property tour videos. So we get a camera guy to follow, uh, follow us around a few, a few, few of our assets. Right. Um, and they kind of walk them through the process to, is how we added value to that, to that uh, building and that community uh, and the city that we take a part in. Take a part of so. Yeah, there's nothing like seeing the walkthrough. I mean, look, if you can go, if you're an investor, you go tour property, that's great if you have the opportunity. But a lot of times that doesn't line up. Uh, and then, you know, the OMs are great offering materials. I had one of our investors tell us like, uh, yeah, I've never seen a bad uh, uh, offering memorandum. You know, they're all great, you know, all, great, yeah. all up and to the right, yeah. which uh, if you, if you uh, operate well, that, that's what it is. But uh, getting a walk through a property, see you explain what's happened, see you actually talk about the dollars and cents of the rent increases, things like that. I think that really connects the dots for people in a way that's scalable, right? Right. Well, and I, and I wish we could add some like like a, like a smell of vision, smell of vision, <laughs> or not, yeah. or not. I yeah. mean, uh, but to, to to let folks know what we some of these properties we go through. I yeah, mean, it, you absolutely. know, to see the see the worst of it, you know, too. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's like once I got into real estate, the, the a switch was flipped in my mind. You know, I drive by a beat up apartment and kind of get pumped up. Right, like, oh yeah, man, yeah. I bet. I wonder if their occupancy's at. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, it's work. It looks like work. Uh, the opportunity looks like work. You know, go figure. Go figure. So, so you've built up the investor, um, you know, your investor uh, network over time. You've gone full cycle on a bunch of deals, which is like, you know, a real kind of milestone for any sponsor, right? right? Getting out of that first deal and everybody gets their money back, and maybe you beat the returns you projected, and everybody goes, okay, this is real. You know, we like it. We want to do more of that. And then they tell all their friends, right. right? So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing. What do you guys have set up now in 2021 as far as the team? Because you're, you're, you've got, you know, 1,500 plus investors at this point, right? Right. And, and uh, you know, h- how do you guys manage that, uh, you know, I guess the admin side and internally? Um, yeah, so we just had a lot of growth. So this year we've added a whole bunch of folks to the team. Um, awesome. We hired... Um, an investor relations manager. Uh, right. So Savannah does a great job. Um, we, um, I, we, we had a marketing slash investor relations person, so now she just does marketing. Right. Uh, we've got admin. Um, we've got a, a part-time uh, remote person that does a lot of our surge work. So when we do have an offering come out, that's a lot of paperwork to manage. Sure. Um, not, well, I should say digital paperwork uh, to manage. Um, 
And so we have that now, um, hire another asset manager. So one will focus uh, there in Ohio and then we're split up Texas and Oklahoma. We're going to we're going to um, get Oklahoma and Texas, I guess, for, for our purposes. So anyway, so he's going to do that. So just keep adding to the team. Right. Um, hired a development manager, so he manages all of our development projects. Um, and then we have a triple net fund as well. Uh, we've got a guy, a uh, young kid, I uh, shouldn't say kid, young guy that, uh, that, that runs that for us as well. So it's really just kind of keep building that team. Uh, we just snagged an awesome uh, CPA. Uh, right. uh, she was working at PwC. So Excellent. now she works for us. Um, she come in as like a controller, just in-house accountant, or how? In-house accountant for now. Um, yeah. Her role is going to keep expanding as as we grow. Sure. Um, is is the idea? So um, really, just kind of keep adding to the team, um, and got we're moving to a bigger office space. Oh, outstanding, <laughs> outstanding! So you guys have an office in Plano, then, right? We have an office in Plano. It's yeah. our second office in Plano. Now we're going to double, more than double our square footage. Um, there in kind of the legacy bank building. Sure. Here in a few weeks. Yeah. So pretty much most of that. Team, obviously not the on-site teams, they're all remote, but most of the corporate team is kind of under one roof then, right? It is, yeah. We're, um, I really, you know, COVID, COVID to me really showed that um, being in, to be, um, to have the team in-house or in, in the office, to have those interactions right. are key. You can move so much faster, you're yeah. much more efficient. I mean, you, you miss that spark. Like if I have an idea, I'm walking down the hall and I'm trying to, you know, I have this idea, well, I can't, you know, shout down the hall like, hey, I got this good idea. You know, I've got to set up a Zoom call and maybe they're not available and, you know, so right. anyways, um, so I'm a big believer. I have folks in the office um, yep. as a more efficient and uh, to do the creative side of what our business sure. is. Sure. And the culture too, right? I mean, yeah. every, the camaraderie and then everybody kind of knowing each other well and right. it's, it's, uh, there's some fantastic tech tools we all have, no right. doubt, but there's some limitations on those too. Absolutely. The in-person events like this are, are just phenomenal, are, are much more real and you can go in depth. Yeah. Yeah, love it. So what um, what are you guys doing currently? And I know we talked about this a little bit last night at the event, but um, you know, you guys used to buy stuff for thirty, forty thousand a door, right? And today, you know, it, it, well, I'm in San Antonio. Seems like hundred k is the new seventy five k a door, right? right? And yeah. so uh, if if we're lucky, which is great as owners. Right. You know, uh, it's it's awesome. Uh, as a buyer, it's it's more challenging. How are you guys approaching your acquisitions in uh, in a you know low cap rate environment, competitive, all that stuff? Right. I mean, so really, we've had a change. We're, we're, we've always been opportunistic, you sure. know. Um, so, and I think you really have to do that. If you're just, if you're stuck on doing just BNC value add in Dallas, Texas, right. I mean, everybody wants that, right? So you've got to you got to be able to change your business model a little bit. Right. Uh, to, to, to be effective and, and find the better deals. If everybody's chasing one thing, well, maybe that's overbought, right? right. Um, we just saw a deal, a C, uh, a C plus deal, fixed up, very nice, uh, but sold for over 115K a door in Irving, Texas, uh, which was just mind blowing. I mean, right. we were buying that stuff at 30, like you said, 30, 40 it's a like door. 70s asset. 70s asset, chiller. Um, I mean, it's just like 115 a door. It's, it's amazing. So to see that, to see the new pricing. So, What's um, crazy is that that buyer they may be okay. Yeah, you know, sure, I mean, it's right? it's you scratch your head, but they still probably will be all right. Yeah, I mean, we're and I mean, I'm sure you guys are seeing it here in San Antonio too, oh, but we're seeing even more outside out of state buyers now sure. since um, COVID happened because right. we're seeing a lot more California and New York buyers who are scared to death to buy in their in their um, in their markets because don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. The, the rent rent control and all that kind of mess that they're having to deal with now. No doubt. Uh, the eviction. So um, that's really pushing these prices up even higher. Um, but the thinking is, so now in Dallas, Fort Worth, we're focused on A-class um, right. because if I'm going to pay a four and a half cap rate, 
I mean, as well, I better buy an A class instead of a C class. It's same a, cap rate. It's the same cap rate. Yeah. yeah. There used to be some separation there. And now it's all compressed. It's basically one kind of mid-fours cap, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, A-classes are focused in Dallas now yeah. um, or ground-up development right? because they're paying 115 a door. I can probably build them for 150 160 a door. Right. So I'd rather own an A-class, brand-new systems, granite countertops, all that stuff for 150 right. than buy C-plus, you know, for 150 All the headaches that, that are, are, are that involved with that. So how are you guys approaching, uh, you know, the A-class stuff from a, from a yield perspective or a return perspective? Right. Uh, you know, what's, are you able to still go in and kind of bring your own team in, improve NOI, that kind of thing? Absolutely. I mean, every time we, we uh, buy an asset, we've got to add value somehow, right? Sure. And so for the A-class, um, a couple of deals we bought were directly from the developer. Um, and so they are um, not knocking them, but typically they're, they're not operators. Right. And so we're able Build to exactly right. Yeah. So we're able to streamline their expenses, right. um, make it more efficient. And then on the revenue side, we actually on a kind of a flyer, our first A class in Dallas Fort Worth. Um, I said, well, why don't we do a do an upgrade and see what happens? And so, um, it, but the crazy thing is, we bought it in 2019. It was just finished in 2018, completed. Right. So how do you upgrade an A class? Property, was it leased right? up already? It was leased up. So we, we walked in. you bought it as soon as you could. Yeah. Like right, it was fresh, uh, fresh paint and everything. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Still, still smelled the fresh paint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we added, we introduced, uh, you know, we tried to try five units and see what happens. Sure. And so um, the developer, um, beautiful cabinets, granite countertops, the flooring, everything you'd think of an A class. Right. Um, he did black appliances, no backsplash, and the fixtures were mediocre. Um, right. So really, for um, so on those first five, um, we did, um, well, and since then, but we've done um, stainless steel appliances. We did a kitchen backsplash, upgraded the, the, the lighting, have that wow factor when you walk into the sure. unit, um, and other, um, other fixtures, too, throughout the unit. But, I mean, we're getting $150, $200 rent bumps on the A-class, and we only spent maybe $2,200. Well, that's the kind so, of I mean, interior rehab budget you want to see. I mean, exactly, right? Yeah. Um, so, we, no, so now we've, that property, I think we've done over 50% of the property like that. Um, and we obviously have a lower cap rate. Um, we've got um, that fix that helps our cash flow in a big way as well. Um, and the valuation is just skyrocketed. And we've, we've, we've blown away the, um, the initial projections because it was something that we just tried out after the fact. We bought it, wasn't in our numbers. Um, but really, we took that model and then bought a few other A-class uh, there in Dallas, Fort Worth, and did the same thing. And we we're getting the same rent bumps on that. You know, so you got to be creative on how you, you know, add value to right. to any asset, but A class that's how we've had success. Yeah, that's that's interesting to hear because you know you might think that that's too slim, but if you're getting a hundred fifty dollar bump, especially on a low cap, you, right. you know that's that's adding the lower your cap, the more you know you're you're boosting your valuation with those those NOI bumps. And, and we're getting great um, loan terms. So I mean, so like on that first A class we bought, I think it was 82% leverage, sure. uh, which is, you know, unreal on those. And then um, the other one was, we bought uh, a few months, years ago, uh, I should say now, um, 82%, 81% somewhere else. So you get great leverage um, on those as well. And how's your ex experience been with, I mean, look, yeah, you're buying a 1970 asset at a, at a four cap or a 2019 asset at a four cap. Uh, the 70s one, your, your R&M line item is going to be uh, variable and high. All right, yeah. uh, but on the new stuff, and then your tenant base as well, different demographic, right? I mean, you own all of it, right. kind of 70s through brand new. 
how's your experience been on kind of the, you know, the tenant base and your recurring expenses and stuff like that on the, obviously it's different on the newer stuff, right? Right. Yeah. On the newer stuff, it's, it's less kind of ongoing maintenance as you go through. I mean, there's some, you know, have to tweak some ACs and stuff, but it's a lot less. Um, but you know, but, um, it does, it does change who you have in the front office, you know, and your leasing agent, right? So you have to make sure those folks are more geared towards a class than the C class or B, whatever. I mean, there's a right person for that desk. Um, so you have to make sure you have that for sure to give the right service level too, because the A class do depend, do demand a little bit more service and attention. Um, and, uh, and you can, you better get those work orders done within 24 hours. So there's a little bit, you know, so you have to change, change the expectations, um, on there. And also too, I mean, we do different, um, community events. I mean, A class kind of sometimes will do wine tastings and stuff where C class will do breakfast on the go. I mean, things like that. So, um, you have to tweak your operations on that site for that site. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So we're coming out of COVID right now, mid-2021. We're seeing a lot of rent growth. We're seeing a lot of asset price appreciation. What are you guys thinking for the for the next year? More of the same? More of these office conversions? More A-class multifamily? Or what's on the horizon for you? Yeah, I mean, so we're um, so back in March of this year, um, we bought two properties that are completely different. So we bought the post office building in downtown Dallas, A-plus historic building. Excellent. Uh, beautiful asset. Um, already fixed up. We're just operating it um, more efficiently. On that one, um, uh, the same week we bought a D class in Wichita Falls for okay. twenty nine a door. Totally we're different. Totally yeah, different. We're putting thirty k a door into the rehab. Thirty k a door to go for B uh, B plus yeah. um, on that deal. And, and so we, you know, we've been nimble. Uh, we've been buying in Cleveland. We've got a thousand C class there units. Sure. Um, as well, so you know, I really see us keep keep growing that. Uh, we do. I, we we probably will pick up two or three more office to multifamily conversions coming up. Um, we think we, I think we just got a, um, a big piece of dirt in Cleveland that overlooks downtown to build ground up about a hundred units there as well. Wow, so, um, I really see kind of growth, uh, in a lot of our arms. Um, that's really why I built up those arms because, um, sometimes it's good to buy existing multifamily, sometimes better to do development. And then you might have the triple net arm as well. And that's just for the monthly cash flow, uh, right. for investors. So to be able to have three arms like that operating at the company, um, will definitely stay busy. Yeah, stay busy and, and be able to kind of ride these different cycles up depending on what they do in, in different areas. I love it. Um, well, let tell people about the, the book and then how can they get in touch with you if they want to meet you and your team, see your projects, et cetera. Sure, absolutely. So um, our website is wolf with an e-investments.com. Um, find us on um, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those normal social media places. Um, and then, yeah, the book, I wrote that a couple of years ago, Investing in the Dream. Um, it's on Amazon. Um, you can check it out if you'd like. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. It was a goal of mine to always write, write a book. Yeah. Um, I'm actually working on the uh, second book right now. Okay, so, excellent. Um, so I actually hired a mentor to kind of walk me through the book process. Okay. Um, yep. and, and he told me, hey, you rewrite this one, you're going to want to write a second one. And so I said, I don't know about that. But anyway, yeah. so there you go. He's right. Yeah. Uh, so writing a second one now, it's more about um, how to, uh, it's more about investing financial freedom, how to kind of set yourself up for success. Um, and it really, um, it really goes the, to the point where, you know, a lot of folks um, talk about mutual funds and IRAs and 401ks and 90% of the books out there tell you about that. Well, this is like the way you should do it. This is how the wealthy do it, right? It's how to build a real proper, um, you know, financial freedom uh, kind of book. So I love it. I think there's a huge need for that. It's funny, you and I both talked to Hundreds of investors have lots of investors in our deals, but that's such a tiny fraction of 
you know, Americans Absolutely. investing in these private placements, right? The wealthy know about it. They do it for a long time. But your average guy that makes 200K at a good corporate job is, is in a lot of, in my experience, a lot of times doing just some super basic financial stuff on his investing. And it could be a lot better with a little bit of education. You know, there's a huge gap there. It is. I mean, and, and the, I mean, we talk about the four wealth building blocks. There's a, we got a video on that. But, um, I mean, to be able to do the cash flow, the pay down, someone else paying down your loan for you, the appreciation and the, the tax shield is just phenomenal that you get on these deals. So, Bill, if you can use that um, intelligently and this, the right way, talk to your CPA, um, you can really, I mean, you can quickly exit you know, corporate job if you want to do that or you keep it and still have the tax benefits. But right. um, there's definitely a way to um, invest better. Um, and I do wish most people would, uh, you know, get out of the mutual fund IRA uh, um, 401k kind of race that most folks are in. Most folks are in it, right? So, I mean, it's like you guys are just getting started with, you know, how many, even though you have a lot of investors, your addressable market is oh, yeah. massive, right? right? Exactly. I mean, it's... It's massive. So uh, love it. Well, Kenny, thank you for coming down. I, I love following you. You've been an inspiration to me. I learned a lot of good stuff from you. And thanks for coming to share it with, with our audience. So um, hope everybody reaches out and, and connects with you. Thanks, Devin. Appreciate it. Always good talking to you. Bye. Awesome. Catch up soon. See you. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being... Uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven-module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, a lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review. That helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.